1: I think I'm actually just going to smother myself in Brasso and then get someone to rub it on. As your
2: As your friend? Can you say yes? I'm
1: going to say that's a brilliant idea, <laughs> I support you. He's wearing a suede shirt, it's William Young. He's wearing a lovely cosy sweater with a little dachshund nestled under his left arm. Mm. It's Chris Sweeney.
2: To right.
1: Welcome to Homo Sapiens.
2: Oh, we've got a lot in store, William. We've got Twitter questions from you, dear
1: listeners. We've got skin from Skunk and Nancy, who we're talking to. We've got T-shirts and sweatshirts. Final week of that, and this week, a new item on the agenda. We're going to share a couple of our favourite little secret places around the UK. Will and Chris's black book, shall we call it. My week... Oh, and I had an, a sort of audition. Oh. I spoke to this director for a film. I'm not going to say any more because I don't know if it will well, happen. It's very hush-hush. No, it's very hush-hush at the moment. Oh, it's very secret. Don't know. Yeah. Sandy Togsvig vehicle. Oh, God, that I not love her to be involved. Um, Did you have to sing? No. Did you have um, to I dance? have to act. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know, the weakest of the three. <laughs> um, I'll give it a go. <laughs> and I've already done one scene. Mm-hmm. Have you just farted? No,
2: that's William, my
1: husband, walking around upstairs. All right. Heavy-footed. Did he just fart? I've done one scene, I need to film another scene. I'm a little bit nervous, but also... Kind of scary. Well, yes, I'm going to do it with my amazing friends, Tom and Diana. So anyway, I'm going to do do that. And then I had two days of high anxiety, as you know, um, because I went off grid for two days. We were meant to do an interview. We did not. William ain't answering his phone. Yeah. William didn't know where he was. That's shit. Yeah, but I got back on track, had a couple of therapy sessions, and I've done some gardening. Gardening, honeysuckle. I've destroyed my honeysuckle. I've cut back the wisteria. I've had a chat over the garden wall with my neighbour on a stepladder. Oh, I love it. I don't know what's happened on my street. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe my chakras changed, but I need to tune into the spirits for that. Um, (laughs) But suddenly, and maybe because it's been sunny... I'm chatting away to all the neighbours. I'm chatting away to the ones on the left of me. Don't talk so much to the one on the right, but I don't see her so much. Caroline came from across the road to talk about my honeysuckle. The family from up the road with the little son, who I can't remember his name, but he is adorable.
2: The one, yeah, yeah. I just love
1: him. I want to call him Rafe. Um, Ask if they'll mind. I
2: kind of want him to be my son.
1: I don't think they listen to this, so it's fine. Um, Their parents, they won't listen to podcasts. No, exactly. They're way too busy. Do your parents listen to podcasts? Your mum, sorry. My mum. Your... My dad's dead, William. D- I'm, sorry, sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm um, so sorry. Oh, Frank.
2: He might be listening. Frank, bless his heart, he would be listening. If would he, he, he have could. listened? Absolutely nowhere. no way. No, no way. I <laughs> tell you, it's very funny, actually, you say that because <laughs> every time mm. I ever showed the classic thing would happen when you directed a music video is a pop star would be in it, right in the middle, probably singing. Yes. Every time I showed him one of the music videos I'd done, whether it be for Lily Allen, Sophie ellis Baxter, Paloma Faith, every time I showed him the video, I'd press play, and about 30 seconds in, he'd point at the pop star on the screen and go, is that your friend Amy?
1: (coughs) No. (laughs) Yes.
2: And I was like, (laughs) because my friend Amy was a model, so he'd seen photos of her around. I was like no, I explained to you thirty seconds ago before I pressed play that it's dot 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 pop star. He just didn't didn't get it, didn't really care. It's which so f- I kinda loved.
1: It's so funny that, isn't it? And
2: then of course we'd oh. always then turn around from the screen and start talking to yes, me. While so he's it's not watching Yeah,
1: so not watching it.
2: Did you have that with your parents?
1: Uh, I have it when I play songs to people, which is partly a measure of if it's not a good song or not, because mm. people just start going They'll just start talking. I'm like I've written this song I'd like you to hear a little bit more than 10 seconds Mm. my parents they sort of listen and watch I to be honest I think they're bored now it's been Mm. 18 years Mm. they don't give a shit if I'm on today program I quite like that I quite like it I mean they just they've got a life to lead
2: but they like you because you're you not because of what you do that's up for debate
1: but I mean I think you know (laughs) let's be generous here
2: we've got to talk about Joe Root haven't we
1: because it's been a Big old
2: week for gay cricket, for gayness in cricket.
1: Well, I think straight ally is too reductive. Yes. And there could be arguments, why is it more powerful and blah, blah, blah. But basically a straight man, sporting guy, basically called someone on their homophobia. So a West Indian player was homophobic, said like, you probably shag boys or something like that. And he went, why are you saying that? There's nothing wrong with being gay. Mm. So he reacted and the mic picked it up so the stump mic they have a a mic in the middle stump picked up Joe Root saying don't use gay as an insult he said there's nothing wrong being gay and shit me what a hero what a hero I just made me so happy
2: what was so nice about it is he really didn't he was saying it privately he wasn't doing he wasn't making a thing out of it and he really he could have so easily just walked on and not bothered it wouldn't have It cost him nothing to walk on, but he chose to make a stand, a private and polite stand. Oh my God. He was really polite.
1: So polite and so mild mannered, Mm. but at the same time, firm. You know, it makes me happy, and I, I, I wish that I could see that even more from straight people in all public areas of life. Have you heard of this thing called the Chateau? Le Chateau Maman, in Los Angeles? No, so
2: it's this pop-up LGBTIQ plus bar and cultural space in South East London. It's near me! Yes. How have you found out about this place? Freddie Lanker, who is a listener of ours, who makes amazing pottery.
1: Oh, Freddie! Oh, Oh, we like
2: Freddie! We love Freddie. He posted about it, and I have felt that the queer nightlife in london appears to be dissipating
1: yes and, i have
2: felt that and i just saw this place called the chateau and it's a, a venue but it's it's a cultural space so there are nights that go on there but there's also daytime stuff like markets and fairs and things so i like that just really cool and kind of feels like i don't feel like i've seen that before and it doesn't always have to be about
1: Going out and getting pissed.
2: Yeah. yeah. So they post on their Instagram. You can follow them, find them, the underscore, chateau, underscore. The chateau has ten commandments. Thou shalt check your privilege and be aware of the space you take up. Thou shalt celebrate all bodies and gender expressions. Thou shalt not assume pronouns. Thou shalt keep touch consensual. Right, well, I'm not going. (laughs) That's a joke. Thou shalt not shame others. Thou shalt party with others generously and harmoniously. Anyway, it goes on. I love that. But it's cool, isn't it? I'm I really want to excited. Go. Can Let's we go? go.
1: Let's go. And then we can report back. I've got a big old dance in me at the moment. Oh, God. And we're so much fun when we go out together. <laughs> Do you
2: know what? I nearly texted you last night after your Radio 2 show because you texted me saying it was over and I was going to text you saying, Should we go out on a whim? Oh, my God. If you texted, I would have. But, you know, I had chicken satay uh, delivery sitting in front of me. So I thought, oh, I'll just have that.
1: They put fucking pineapple in it. Oh, it's ridiculous. What? Else? What's We're happening? We're not animals. What's happening today? <laughs> uh, Can I tell you about my top? Please. This top that I'm wearing. It's really nice. Thank you. Grazie. It's blue suede and blue kind of wool, I guess. Ribbed. I bought this top when I was 17 from mm, a vintage shop no.
2: in Oxford. If you told me that was Dior this season Not that I would really know
1: We should throw clothes into our idea for a film So That's a good idea I went back to the shop in Oxford Run by a crazy Austrian lady And she goes Oh yes, yes." she talks like this and, Oh yes She goes I went back When I was This was When I was 30 years Almost a Bit less 25 years Mm-mm. Since I'd been in that shop wow. And bought this very top And you went in I go in, clutching your receipt. Clutching, yes.
3: <laughs> it's falling apart.
1: It doesn't fit. And she goes, "Yes, no." I said, "I used to shop in here when I was a teenager." She goes, "Yes, I remember you. You you bought the blue suede top with the ribbed." Well, she ribbed fucking <laughs> remembered it. What? Can I drive her down on prices? Can I shit? <laughs> I said I'm a loyal customer. No, I no, it's very expensive. It's it's silk. I think it's woven by spiders. I'm like, don't really? you can't kid a kid a bitch. She's holding a Hessian sack <laughs> <laughs> over my face. <laughs> I'm gonna give it away because it is a little secret of mine. But it's called Unicorn and it's in Oxford. Oh, and she is wonderful, eccentric, and the clothes are incredible.
2: Can we do a recommendation that is for Scotland? It's yes. not it's not well apart from CC Blooms, the gay club in Edinburgh, which is incredible, which everybody probably knows. The Gardeners Cottage in Edinburgh. Do you remember we went there for dinner? Oh, that place is so lovely. It's the best food,
1: the loveliest people, when you go in they're playing a record
2: and that makes it sound more posy than it is, actually. They're such nice people.
1: It's not posy at all. It's not ostentatious. You share tables. I mean, obviously, Chris and I kicked everyone out the way. Well, you oh, Excuse elbows. me, celebrities, celebrities. <laughs>
3: sharp um, elbows. Homophobes.
1: Um, we threw everything at them. Uh, and it's beautiful. It's a little old cottage, park mm. cottage, well, mm. garden cottage, which they've turned into... I just love seeing that when they turn old buildings. It was really nice food. It was great. I got quite pissed on that wine, if I remember. You were shouting at the table. <laughs> God, I ate some fucking pudding over here.
2: I don't know why I've done that voice for you suddenly. <laughs>
1: Call this pudding.
2: Can I say one thing that made me laugh today God. when you arrived here at my house? Mm. That you are up. such a well-versed brasso user. Yes, that I d- brasso. I opened the front door... And you went, you've left some Brasso on your front door because there was a tiny white mark. Because I polished my front door knocker this weekend.
1: Yeah, it was a smudge.
2: How could you know that? That but made me, you know, when a friend just changes in your mind, you go, boom. I had no idea.
1: It's something that could possibly get me into the X-Men movies. The
2: Twitter question this week is, what would the title of your autobiography be?
1: Wanking and Crying. That's a lovely title, William. It's so you. pretty. I say Wankin without the G so it keeps it fresh. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah, Cry In. You get the youth vote. Yeah. Um,
2: Geordie has said Confessions of a Cockaholic.
1: <laughs> say
2: it how it is. <laughs> say it how it is. Andrew has said No Talk, No Trousers. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Don't know what it means, but I like it. No. There's potential album titles in here for you oh. as well. Kevsey has said It's a work in progress Which actually I really like
1: I really like that That's a good title Mm. Claiming that
2: Rich has said a funny one None the bloody wiser (laughs) Paul has said I shat on the floor in Sarajevo (laughs) Long story but true (laughs) 80s title would be Oh shit I actually did that and then there's a spot of romance blooming on the twitter today no jim's replied saying so young and so beautiful because when fenella met me in person after several phone calls she said i never dreamed you'd be so young and so beautiful and then anna has commented underneath that's what i thought when i met you first too Um, so anna is not
1: fenella though no so is anna muscling in on fenella Maybe it's a very modern relationship. There's yes, it could be, yes. Within Watch them. this space. No judgment. <gasps> like Cilla Black, we could have our first home-slavery relationship. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Danced with Cilla Black once.
1: No, you didn't. Did I you? did. Where? Were you in she was New in Yorker?
2: The, <laughs> I, she was in the Shadow Lounge. Oh. A gay club in London's fashionable Soho.
1: Which is no longer
2: around, no? No longer around. It's now a strip club. <gasps> and I said, I saw her and I said, Hi, could I have a dance with you? And she said, Yeah. So we had a dance. Was
1: she a good mover?
2: She really was a good mover. She had game. Something to do with I won't be too long about something to do with when I used to see her as a kid at the same time as I used to see my mum a lot. There's this funny chip in my brain that sort of thinks Silla Black's my mum. So when I look at her when I would look at her, I'd be like, Oh, I've had so much love for her. My mummy. Same as Joan Collins. Lee says, looking for a needle in a gay stack. People are on fire. Jasmine says, pretend I'm sexy the later years. That must be to do with last week when we were talking about pretend I'm sexy.
1: Oh, yes. Must do those (laughs) t-shirts. Oh,
2: Christ. Jennifer says, you couldn't write it. It's quite a cool title. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, Fraser says, sun sex and the time I met Ed Miliband. (laughs) That could be Dave Miliband's title as well. (gasps)
1: I think that's a pretty good roundup of Twitter. Yes, it is. Well done. And also, I want to say, this is our last week of the sweatshirts and t-shirts.
2: <gasps>
1: Dear listeners, you have been... hitting Warned.
2: With, you have been warned. You've been hitting the keyboards at a, quite a rate, ordering your own Homo Sapiens t-shirts and your Homo Sapiens sweaters, which we've done on everpress.com forward slash homo dash sapiens, where you can get your own for a short time only. You've got one week left. It's the last week already. Flash sale. Listeners, you have been buying them all over the world. Should I give you a rundown of where, from where, from whence these orders have come? We've had Australia, Poland, Germany, Sweden, the Netherlands, Canada, the United States... And Portsmouth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I know where I want to go. Well, exactly. Mm. Hello, Sailor. Um, can I just say that it would be lovely if people, can, when they get their T-shirt or mm. sweatshirt, take a picture so we know they've arrived. Mm. And you can tag us on Instagram. Yes. And I don't know how you do that. Tell me about this week's guest, William. Because
2: if the, if you remember, we interviewed her... In these very seats we
1: sit in now. Do you remember? I think she was the first person we interviewed for this season. She was. Um, Apart from Michelle Obama. Yeah. But we're, we're not going to run that, are we? We're going to can it. Because yeah. we want big names. No, just proper no. names. Sorry, Mish. The book's done nothing. Um, <laughs> so she turned up in her car with her doggy. She looked so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, just like brilliant, brilliant style. So immediately I loved her. And I've always been a fan of her. We have met on a couple of occasions and she was always so generous and kind, really? unlike other people, mm. um, to come out in my next uh, publication. Um, to come out in your autobiography Yes, called, the what's next it one, called? Uh, crying and Wanking yes. um, and Looking in the Mirror and that's in brackets. Three. I just think <laughs> she, what she represents is fascinating because she is a woman in music, she's black and she's bisexual. And so I think the viewpoint she offers is a viewpoint that we haven't had actually yet from a a guest. So I was very excited when she said yes. Also, I am a big fan of her music. And I remember her being at university. Skunk and Nancy were playing in the student. And they were having a drink first in the student pub. And we all crept outside and pretended to not notice. But we did notice.
2: Oh, my God. They were a huge part of my teenage years. They were so... She was emotive like it was rock music but with soul that I hadn't heard before and it was her voice that just I remember when I first heard it I was like what on earth is this and then you know they became huge but were always doing their own thing which I really respected
1: yeah she's got this brilliant mixture of being forthright Mm. and not afraid to you know she lectures to people and gives talks and it's very well respected I think she's highly intelligent And so she's not backwards in coming forwards, as my grandmother used to say. Mm. I think she's a wonderful guest.
2: And she tells this incredible story, which includes a name drop of... Not a name drop sounds mean, but as in, like, she including every single famous person you've
1: ever heard of. It's absolutely amazing. Um, And we started the interview by asking her, what's the question that you hate being asked the most?
3: I guess one of the most questions I get asked the most is, Probably the most annoying, which is which is more important to you, being black, being female, or being gay. <laughs> no. That's probably the most one of the most common questions, which I find the most annoying. <laughs> For obvious reasons, it's kind of like, well, what's, what's more important to you, your finger, your eye, or your toe? You know.
1: <laughs> what do you say back to, that, to
3: say um, that? I just, I mean, I just no, I first time I said that's a good one. I'll keep that. Mm. Um, uh, no, I just kind of say, well, you know, you can't separate though well, isms, you know, you can't separate mm. being black from being gay because the two things are connected. You cannot separate being female and being gay because they're interconnected. And my experience that I have as a person is all of those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So how do you separate, oh, at this moment, somebody's being racially insensitive, or at this moment, someone's being you know, blatantly sexist, you know? Yes, you can say that, but a lot of the time it's intertwined, you know, mm-hmm. the way that they're sexism, maybe because I'm black and female or the mm-hmm. way that they're being racist is because I'm a woman, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I I find it's... it's uh, That's probably the most annoying question. That's probably mm-hmm. the most common question. And the other one is like, oh, I thought you were taller. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm taller. <laughs> <laughs> I think the racism I've seen happen towards black men is different towards the racism I've seen towards black women. Mm-hmm. Really? You know, I mean, in the way that... You know, Scary Spice was always a scary one and always a sexual one, mm-hmm. you know? That's the way that she's perceived in the media. And that's very typical of how black women are perceived, you know, are very overtly animalistic, mm. sexy, amazing in bed, uh, you know, and where can be almost aggressive and almost too scary, you know? And then the race of have seen towards, you know, black men is entirely quite different. It's, quite, it's, it's very kind of like, oh, he's going to kill me, he's going to steal from me, he's going to do something negative in that way. Mm. Um... I mean, of course they get, you know, the big dick syndrome as well, but, you know, mm. my dog sort of wander your whole house, just so you know, but she won't wee anywhere.
2: Oh, no, that's fine. That's one okay. better than my dog, which is wanders the house and wees everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> the okay. never seem to learn. They're, they're, they're
3: hounds, so they just, she just, the favourite thing for her to do is smell stuff. So I, I she could like just, a bone? No, okay. she's really aggressive, she gets a bone. Well, she so will not adult? let you touch her or go anywhere wrong. near. Yeah, she yeah. thinks you want her bone. I think that when you have a, a group of people or someone in front of you who is acting with such authority, you know, because they feel superior, I think your first reaction is to be like, well, I'm inferior, I must have done something wrong. And I'm, you know, you have this embarrassment, this kind of like, ooh. Um, and then, you, then your second thought is like, hold on a minute, mm. you know. Your first situation is you want to escape, you know, fly or something. And then the second situation, because of maturity and because of experience, is like, actually, I'm not going to take that. Mm. I'm actually going to do something about it. I'm actually going to say something about it. And I'm actually going to react, you know? Mm. And I think more so now, I think more... It's not like there's more racism or sexism or homophobia. I think there's more backup. There's Mm -hmm. more support Mm -hmm. if you do end up in a situation. And I think that is the huge difference between now and maybe 20 years ago when I first, 25 years ago when I first started the band, is mm. that you were very quickly on your own if you say, oh, that guy's been racist towards me or that guy's just, you know, pinched my ass or grabbed me or groped me. You felt you were standing on your own mm. and it was always their word against yours, you know. Mm. And I think now I think there's so much more support in those situations. And I think that is the biggest number one thing that makes such a difference.
1: Do You get asked a lot about Me Too?
3: I get asked a uh, not so much about Me Too but about being the only female in the band or women in rock or that's a mm. very typical question. I mean, you know, there's not very many of us. <laughs> so mm. it's not a bad question to ask, to no. be honest. I think it's quite a good topic. I think that to be lead singer in a band or to be in a band you have to think you're pretty special and you have to have a huge level of arrogance to even be able to get on the stage. I think that's all part of part of the picture and all very um, important to be good. But, you know, off stage with you know, we just leave it on the stage. And on the stage were arrogant, tough rocker bastards and off stage for a bunch of pushy cats. <laughs>
1: Did you always want to be in rock?
3: I wanted to sing and it wasn't I think she's growling at the pole. She thinks there's another dog around. I mean, I I always wanted to sing, and I always knew I could sing, but I was a very shy, very quiet, very small, skinny child. Mm. And so I didn't know how I was going to make any of that happen. I mean, I, I always had a huge, and it's not arrogant to say, it, I could always sing really well at six years old. I always had a huge talent, I, I always knew I could sing, but I had no confidence whatsoever. And if you don't have the confidence, you just won't. You know, it's something you have to learn. And it's a very tricky process to learn that. It's just trial and error. It's just mistake after mistake after mistake. Um, but I'm from a family of, um, of musicians and singers, but no one had ever been successful about it. In fact, no one in my family had actually even been to university or kind of done that kind of stuff. So it took me a long time to actually get the confidence to actually sing in front of people and to, mm. and to do it seriously. I was brought up in a reggae, like a reggae family. My my granddad actually had a it should be on Effa Road in Brixton.
1: Oh, yeah. We like... Speakeasy, yeah, speakeasy and, and also like not safe house but there were people very safe go, yeah you
3: know. i mean because of those in those days you know black people wouldn't be let into a club at all especially like a group of black men you just so they just created their own parties and created their own you know music their own thing their own drinks and and stuff like that so my granddad was one, one of the most famous ones wow. um, and um i mean to this day i can't sing reggae at all i love it to my heart mm. you know i love it to, to within my felt fiber but I, cannot, I don't have that voice. Mm. I have a rock voice. Right. I don't have an R&B voice either. It's a little soulful, but it's a, it's a rock voice. And I always saw myself singing something really aggressive, but when I was a kid, I didn't know what that was until I saw Blondie on TV. And then that changed mm. my perspective. I was the first person I thought, I mean, I looked nothing like her, but for some reason I thought, oh, I can do that. I, I want to do that. And I was like 10 or something.
1: And a woman in rock. On so TV, you know. yeah, looking
3: great. Yeah. You know? The way I got into rock music was much later on when I was about, you know, 16, 17, 18. It's because remember that Scar, That moment of Scar, white boys playing Scar, mm. Like, this time is coming like Augusta. Remember yeah, that? yeah. I love that. And that was kind of the first thing out of my own experience. I was still reggae, but it wasn't our reggae, it was their reggae. And then I discovered guitars and I discovered The Cure and then I discovered Led Zeppelin and then that was, that was it. But I just remember always having this vision in my head of me on stage going, ah, like microphone in front of my face, right. screaming my ass off. That's in my head who I wanted to be. Mm. and Because I, I think it's just that frustration of not being who I was, not being who I wanted to be. But having a child of just knowing that there was something else going on inside of me and that... I didn't get the way everybody else was behaving. I didn't like the same music, and I didn't dress the same way. And I don't know where that comes from. I mean, I just—I think just kids just come out how they come out.
1: So when people like see see you on stage, because it is a, a part of you that comes hmm. out on stage, you know. And it, do you think people are surprised when they meet you in person? Do you think do, um, do people go like, oh? I she'd be but like screaming I, I, in my face That's I something
3: I know because of people's reaction to me. I still don't get what people like when they see you on stage. I know it sounds ridiculous. No, I don't. I don't get it. I love to boogie is a song by English glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, It's a song. It's... It later appeared... What is does not think I love? I love to boogie. <clears throat> <clears throat> say, yeah.
1: You say that you, know you don't know what, you what they love. It's
3: the side... This okay. is a long one. Alexa. Alexa! Alexa! It was in Google.
1: I wonder what they're saying.
3: Sorry, I
1: don't know that one.
3: I don't say Alexa.
1: Alexa Stop. Yeah. Alexa, <laughs> who is skin from Skunk and Nancy? Skunk and Nancy,
3: i a <laughs> British rock band. Who's vendors in Gan? That is Mabel! Well done, well done. Well done. I, thank well done. you, Alexa. Alexa! Stop!
1: I you can don't thing in my house. You don't know <laughs> what people are
3: I mean, I know because people tell me all the time, I mm. love you because of this and I love you that. I don't get it. You know, mm. I don't and I just decided not to analyse that too much now. I think that's good, though,
1: isn't it? Though, Because then it's completely authentic. You're not second-guessing.
3: You're just Yeah, you're I mean, just, I think that it's bad for the head to kind of listen to, you know, believe, yeah. you know, read too much. But I never read reviews, you know. I read reviews at the very beginning of my career and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to stop this. And yeah. so I don't read fan mail, I don't read reviews, I don't have any of that, good or bad. I don't get what people see, because I, it's impossible for me to see what other people see mm-hmm. in many ways. Mm-hmm. I can stand outside of myself in the band on most things, especially songwriting. Mm-hmm. I'm the first one to go, you know, this isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Isn't my voice here, singing, that's so not good enough. But me on stage, I've never seen it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and it's not the same if you watch yourself back yeah. on a TV screen. It's just not the same. People tell me that, oh my God, you're so much taller. And when they meet me, they go, oh, you're, you're so much smaller and you're quieter and you look younger and... You're, uh, um, not aggressive at all, and I was like, well, it's not me that's aggressive; it's the song's aggressive. You hmm. know, I can't sing a song like Killing Jesus like it's a ballad. It <laughs> you know, so, uh, would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, it probably would work. It's a good idea. Um, when people look back on the '90s now, you know, it's a, it's amazing how the facts change. Yeah. Um, but Skunk and Nancy were never ever a Britpop band. Right. We, del- we were deliberately kept out of all those TV shows, all those interviews, because the face of Britpop had to be, was for white boys in a band, basically. Mm. You know, for a minute there, we were a bit jealous. And then we kind of worked out that actually it's really, it's a very dangerous thing to be part of a clique. Yeah. You know, to be part of a marketing group of artists. Um, mm. And so we were quite happily stayed out of the whole thing. They were like, well, what's it like to be a Britpop band? And I was like, actually, no, we're not Britpop, we're Clip Pop. Because <laughs> I was just taking a piss, because for me, it's like, no, we're our own scene, we're a Clip Pop scene. Mm. You know, it's a completely different scene, we're not Britpop at all. And then that just became a huge thing. Now really? there's even a Clip Pop festival. <laughs> really? Yeah, there's a Clip Pop festival. And so That's it was, um, uh, yeah. And it just became this huge, big deal. And then suddenly, other bands started calling themselves clip-pop bands. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was really fun. And then I was like, okay, I'm making an announcement. We've disbanded the scene. There was only one <laughs> band in it, and it was us. <laughs> and we disbanded it because no, we were, we weren't, we were not part of that.
2: You know, I remember when I first heard you, like, because mm-hmm. I, 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 all the straight boys in my school were obsessed with rock, and I never yeah. really
3: got it, it got yeah.
2: get into it but i remember when i heard you guys for the first time it just made everything happen for me because i loved it so much but i think it was for me that was you you know what i mean like it felt cuz i found uh, and this is my own problem let's say i found rock with male bands very excluding like it kind of yeah. just made me feel really like oh you know i'm i'm going to do this wrong yeah. yeah you know yeah. what i mean yeah um, but I never considered you to be part of Britpop at all.
3: No, and we weren't. We really weren't Britpop at all. Um, we were more like, if we, we were closer to Brick rock bands like Television, but we weren't that sound either. We, yeah. You know, we were just, we were just our own thing, to be honest. And there had never been a band like Skunklands, and there never but, will be. It was just, it was just, we were just this individual kind of thing. That, and the the thing that the industry hated about the band was me. Really? Yeah. and really? The, the thing that the people loved about the band was me.
2: <laughs>
3: so we've always had that dichotomy where the media doesn't quite like us, mm. um, but the people love us. And so mm. six million records later, every single interview will start with six foot, ball-headed, bisexual, mm. aggressive, black female lead singer Skunk and That was literally one of those objectives at least three or four of them were the start of every single mm. article because journalists tend to just copy each other. You know, mm. they'll, they'll just say what someone else has said. And labelling them, yeah, just, um, yeah, just putting you profiling and stuff like that. It's like i would never said I was six foot. I'm not six foot at all. But mm. I guess on stage I look like I'm six foot. I think in, music journalists in the nineties really didn't know how to um, didn't know how to talk to me, and I just wasn't in that world at all. I, you know, journalists was. A group of people that I was kind of had to stay away from because Mm -hmm. they write about you. I wasn't, and I was also very shy and didn't drink that much and good Christian girl. Oh, how that changed! (laughs) 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 And uh, I just wasn't going to be like I barely drank because I had to sing all the time, and you know. So when uh, I had to kind of like I saw these headlines and whatever, I was just like, God, they're making such a deal out of it, you know. Mm. but it wasn't until I went outside London and started touring, and that's when I kind of realized that my world and my community were quite forward thinking mm. and very generous with, with um, people and very open, mm. but the rest of the world really wasn't. Mm. And then going to America was like, whoa! A black person, a black female, fronting a rock band was just, they just did not know what to do mm. at all. Mm. I mean,
2: and was everyone supportive? with the band supportive? And you um, know, that?
3: I mean, I think that we were all in it together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we were all kind of like in the same growing up in the media and the spotlight. Yeah. Together, you know, we were always naive at each other, but I think that's the benefit of being like in a band and not being solo. Mm-hmm. Because you have three people that kind of keep you there, keep you in the same place, mm-hmm. that understand exactly what's happening because they're doing it with you. you know? mm-hmm.
2: I, I can imagine being in a band is the most intense experience ever because yeah. you're young, you're semi-running a business, but it's mm. all happening at night, all the work and st- You know, like, yeah. it's really... But did you all just get on and...
3: Yeah, we... You know, the one thing that my band has always had is good chemistry. Mm. And it's not all rosy, and it shouldn't be all rosy. Mm. And <laughs> anyone who says it's all rosy is lying for yeah. their asses. Yeah, But it's... Um, We're really good friends, actually, Mm. and we always have been good friends, and we're still good friends, Mm. and we've always had that kind of, like, I can say what I want to this person, I can say what I want to that person, you know, because we've just been through so much together, yeah, you know?
2: So, do you have a lot of people contacting you saying, you represent something for me, and... How does that make you feel? Do you like that? Or?
3: I think it's really important to stay in touch with who you are mm-hmm. and not with what people want to put on you mm. um, or make you feel guilty about. Mm. I mean, I think that I care and compassion about just about everything. But I think that you can only use your, you know... It's about, what, what are my talents? <laughs> my talents are singing. My talents aren't really being a spokesperson for a generation. That's not my talent. My mm. talent is singing and writing songs. Mm. And that's the best thing that I'm about. I'm, 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 I'm really good at that. I'm really good at singing on stage. I'm also considering myself an intelligent person, so I, there's other things that I can do to help. Um, but there's also things that I'm really not talented about, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And this is... It comes back to the question of... Um, should everybody be in this age that we're, that we're in, should everybody be writing political songs or not? Mm. And I'm like, mm, only the ones that are really good at writing them. Because <laughs> mm. the ones that are not good at writing political songs are, um, <laughs> you know, gonna write a bunch of awful songs and get slated for it. Mm. Feeling passionate about something and, and wanting to put it into a song. And Skagenetze is actually been very good at writing very political songs. Mm. And I think that's down to the way that I perceive political things affecting society, affecting me and my community. So I saw a little baby swastika on the wall, and in my, my head, I went, who ask put, put a little baby swastika on the wall? It wasn't very high, it couldn't be more than four years old. It's like this idea of this, like, a child of four-year writing drawing his first swastika, you know?
1: Where were you? Where you... Um, it
3: was, I was in Brixton, and I saw it on the wall, and I was like, That's, you know, And literally, who put that little baby swastika on the wall? Cos it was like a baby, drawn by a baby, and it was only so high. Okay. And I think that when you kind of make things in that kind of, this is what happened to me, mm. so I can talk about this because this happened to me and I know all about it and I can talk about it with confidence and strength and knowledge. I think that's when politics really make a difference. But when you try and sum up the feeling of a generation, then you just run into cliche hell. Mm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know. So you were able to see that and personally... Take an interpretation of it yeah. a bit and write a song and that's the right way for you to do it, rather than sort of flicking through yeah. papers, being like. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's
3: go. I, I think that's the right way to do it, and I think yeah. that I have a talent for doing it that way. Mm. But for every great political song we've written, we've written probably fifty bad ones. Yeah, but and, like of... <laughs> 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 and you have to kind of. Exactly. And Christmas songs. Christmas songs. Yeah,
2: when someone tries when to a go a Christmas song, you
3: know, you can hear they're trying way too hard, brother. Way a bell. too a
1: bell. hard. Because yeah. they know if they get it right, yeah. that's retirement. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like smells what, of that. What was yeah. that
3: with Jared Leto? He had one out recently. Oh no! God, it was awful.
1: It was just second.
3: friggin' awful. Not a
1: Christmas song.
3: No, a political song. Oh. But it was kind of like we're going to write a political song, but you know, it's not going to be so obvious that our Trump supporters won't buy the record. Wow! Because being Successful is way more important than actually really being political. But I look, want, I want to look like I carry now. But I have to say, I don't think that all music. I think that the beautiful thing about music is that it should come from mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm. You know, obviously it should come. You know, a band like Everything Everything should exist because they're making amazing music. Mm. But then you know, you have got another artist like um, I don't know Stormzy or something like that, which has come up from the ground, and mm. and that is also at gonna... the same time it's kind of like I feel in terms of blackness it's one or the other mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like we're more acceptable if we're like from the street man you know because mm. that's my music and you know yeah. that's kind of that's, been,
1: that's kind of been hijacked I would say in the yeah. last two years and and...
3: Then, but if you're black and you're do not doing that you know you're in a rock band like Skunk and Nancy, or you're doing something which isn't perceived as being black working class mm. you know it's m- way more difficult I think it's way easier if you're white and you're, you're kind of doing something that's perceived as black. Mm-hmm. That's way more acceptable than the other way around. And, and that's always been my gripe because I think it's always been difficult for, for black people to do rock musicals, to do classical musicals, to do those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. very... What's that about?
3: I think it's a, a comfortability with putting, you know, putting, putting different kinds of artists, different types of people in boxes. Mm-hmm. We're comfortable with that. If you stay in your corner, if you mm. stay in your box. that's We know how to do that. We know how to market that.
1: I, mm. I went to see, so it's coming up for me, a black ballet company.
3: Mm.
1: And I felt, I felt uncomfortable because I just wanted to see more black people in all ballet companies. Mm. I knew why it was important. So on that level, it's like absolutely get it. I just felt really uncomfortable. I felt like I was watching something under a label. Hmm. And I thought, why does this have to be labeled? you know, as a,
3: as a black kid, you're, you know, you're told you can be, like, so stormy, but you're not told you can be, like, Misty on Point or Mr. Copeland, you know. You, you, uh, you can be a black ballerina.
1: Yeah, and it's... Uh,
3: you know, I, I mean, I think things are changing. The they Diversity a massive, massive conversation hmm. all of the time. Um,
1: Who are the people that you've met over the years? you've been really thrilled to meet?
3: Chaka Khan. <sighs> Listen, we're in South Africa. This is going to sound like our... This story is a whole bunch of name drops. <laughs> we like, it's, it's your life. Yeah, so it's, it's not, I'm not being... You know, whatever, no. just, this is just what happened. These are the people in the room. So we're, we're, um, we're, we're like the first normal band to play South Africa, like multicultural band to play South Africa after apartheid ended. And um, we were invited by Nelson Mandela to go to this Thousand Men dinner he had. And so we're sitting in this dinner and there's all these super famous people there. And then at the end of it, they start reading out names of people to come up to be introduced to Nelson Mandela. So I'm there with Kath, um, my bass player. And so we turned into reading out all oh, this Michael Jackson, Lynn Simone, blah, blah, blah. And so we're like. Well, they were all. They were all there. So we were kind of like, and I turned to Cass and goes, Skunk and And then we just cut up so much so that we didn't hear them go, Skunk <laughs> and We were like giggling. And then they said, no Skunk like, so <laughs> and Nancy. So we go up and we like shake hands with Nelson Mandela. And then I go and stand next to Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder. Wow. This, now, is,
1: this, this is, is like a like, Hall of Fame.
3: Story. Do you know what I mean? I was like, at the end of the day, I'm like a little Brixton girl, you know, and I'm like sitting there and I was like, so I turned to Michael Jackson. I go, hello, my name is Skin. And he goes, my name is Michael. You know, I shake, shake Michael Jackson's hand and then Stevie Wonder, like the, the, the all time, all time of all time, the God of everything. And then the first record I ever bought, Nina Simone, kind of <laughs> comes up in a, that's the first record I ever owned. So I'm like, oh, my God, it's Nina Simone. But, you know, you've got to play it cool. <laughs> and then Danny Glover. Oh! <laughs> Danny Glover. It just goes on. And so I'm standing there, and it's me, Danny Glover, Nina Simone, and Stevie Wonder, and I'm standing there thinking, I cannot believe this has actually happened to me right now. <laughs> and then, you know, oh, let's sing Happy Birthday. So I, start, I sing Happy Birthday... To Nelson Mandela, doing harmonising with Michael, Nina Simone, and to see Wonder, I was like, it was amazing. And then I spent the rest of the evening with Nina Simone.
1: Really? I can't believe. I, can I say I feel he a bit. Just like I can't actually look at you right. because you've met Nina Simone. Yeah. I actually like. I can't.
3: I couldn't believe I feel, it myself, and I, I was just what like.
1: Was she like? Oh no, she. I mean, talk about. She's another political.
3: Yeah, I mean, she was. Okay, amazing. she lived it
1: on stage and yeah. off.
3: And then, you know, she lived it on stage. Just for, she was hardcore. I don't know if you've seen any documentaries on her. Yeah. She was taking no prisoners at any point. Mm. Quite radical, you know, and quite... Um, I mean, I don't agree with some of the things that she would say and do, but I can understand it, given what they were, the type of level of racism that they were dealing with in the 60s. I can get why she would have been that angry and, and upset, you know, obviously. But, um, yeah, I had a great... I, did, I just sat and had drinks with her, you know? And, what did
1: uh, you talk just, about?
3: Just, you know, she was quite old. She was in a wheelchair.
1: How was she? Um,
3: she, Yeah, she was quite old. She died maybe like a few years, just a few short years later. She was lovely, you know? We were just talking about music and voices. Mm. And
1: Any just, advice or anything like, did you?
3: You know, she well, she, well, I can't remember all the details of it. I just remember her just talking about just herself. And Then we had to play the, um, the Nelson Mandela he did like a festival of all the music the artists that he liked that he listened to when he was in robbins island and one of them was chaka khan mm. and i was like girl <laughs> i'm gonna meet me some chaka khan i was like i have to meet chaka khan i mean i have all of her records all of them and so and she again was just lovely really? she was absolutely amazing the way that as things happen, things in South Africa never run on time. They never, you know, this concert was three, four hours late. Mm. She was supposed to go on at ten. She was all going on till two in the morning, but she just kept backstage in stitches. She took story after story, joke after joke, really? and we drank all, you know. <laughs> we played and it was like playing rock music so most of the audience were like what is this I don't like this what is this <laughs> and it's like all the white people in the audience were jumping up and down was crazy, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so then she goes on and I'm standing outside the stage and I'm like god she's amazing she's singing she turns to me and she comes she grabs me on stage oh my god and I sing ain't nobody with her I mean that's there's like wow. I've died and went to hell at that point.
1: You've got to write an autobiography, surely you've done. Oh
3: God, I could be, it'd be like bleep, bleep,
1: bleep. Just bleep it out.
3: And I think because at the end of the day, the art has got to be the greatest thing that Mm. pushes us forward. Mm. Kendrick Lamar has pushed um, music forward and it's got a Pulitzer Prize because the lyrics are incredible mm-hmm. and because the music is incredible. Mm-hmm. And he happens to say it from a black standpoint, mm-hmm. but the art is incredible and it's relevant and it's, and it's, it's, it's intellectual. No, it's and that's why it's got Pulitzer Prize.
1: Though. Rank Ocean, it must yeah, be about exactly. authenticity from the end. It's like, it's yeah. just great. Yes.
3: It has you know, to be, the it. art has to be solid first in my, my opinion. And, and, and I think if actually we do more harm if we push things forward they are not good, uh, mm. We do actually more harm to the gay community, we do more harm to the black community, we do more harm. I mean, because then it becomes like, hey, it's alright, but she's black, so mm. we've got to have it in there. Mm. Yeah, you know? It's, I do know, and I
1: have to be careful, because yeah.
3: like, I... See, I can be less I, careful. Well, I know, but well, I see... <laughs> no, I tell you why I
1: feel I have to be careful. No, okay, no, I'll say it. I think I see it with people like the BBC. Oh. I see, like, it's like, we've got to have this person this week, you know a gay man on the yeah, panel. We're having a I chat think, show, we need a gay man on the panel, but that means we're going to have to have a... I mean, I, yeah, know, like you, I know that's the like case. Like, you can only
3: mm-hmm. have, like...
1: Uh, We've got too many women. You know, you, you might have, out.
3: like, if you're going to have a judging panel, you know, you can only have, you know, oh, do so, that means the judging panel's going to be free black people, so mm. we can't have that, you know? Yeah. The trouble is that is a decision-making, so that can also be used against us, you know? the, yes. the fact. So it's a, it's a complicated, tricky thing. But I do, that, that we still have to work out. is the debate, it's an open debate, which is very difficult in the world we live in.
1: And maybe <laughs> that's the key though, isn't it? To just I continue think, to be having those... I think
3: the key um, is the argument and the debate. But that's what's not happening because of social media and because of people taking one word or one context completely yeah. out of out of context and then promoting that this person said this, we hate them! Mm-hmm. And I think that now there's so much fear in having an opinion and there's so much fear in having a discussion that it actually goes against what people are trying to, to do. Try, people try to push things forward, but if you can't, in a debate, in an argument, you might say something wrong, but then you might be persuaded out of it, but you can't get past that point. If you say something wrong, you're just slaughtered for it. And now it's very difficult to have Debate if you don't have debate and discussion, you cannot form an opinion.
1: Yeah. No, and I think you know, we've both said it, I remember you saying it. It's okay, like I might say something, I think you said it once like uh, I'm happy to have my mind changed. Yeah, like yeah. I'm like yeah. Happy, yeah, I'm
2: like happy to exactly. be corrected. Happy like, to be corrected. This is my take on things, but you know Yeah. I'm probably my, five my, facts under My argument is him. like,
3: you know, you know what, give people a minute to get there. Yes. Because I, I'm in New York, my girlfriend puts on these um, big festivals and big parties in um, in New York, and she has to deal with kids that just sit on their computer like this, waiting, fingers ready to tear someone down for saying or doing the wrong thing. Mm. A bit like Diet Prada, you know, with fashion. Yeah. Um, and is a very precarious position for her because she knows how they think. But and my my point is like well. You know what, you guys are on the top elite or forward-thinking part of how society is working out these issues to do with trans um, people to do with intersex, bisexuality, racism. They're, they're the ones that are sitting there working it all out, You know, having the discussions between each other. But give everybody a minute to get there, yeah. you know? Society isn't... We're not all having the same debate at the same time. Mm. There's, a, you know, there's a few people that are having the debate. And I think it's very arrogant of people to, those few people to just keep tearing everybody down for not being there yet. I, I, I mean, I think that you can be very easily and quite pleasantly surprised a lot of the time. And, and when so. people are being negative, as I say, it's not, that's really it held me in good stand to be like, it's not my problem, I'm fine. I'm that's happy buying this rose. I don't think it? it's my issue at all. It's your issue. You have a it. problem with me buying a rose. And I can't do anything about it. <laughs> if well. you've never known or hung out with a black person, there's two ways you can be, good or bad. Good, bad and different, but mainly it's good or bad. You can be well or badly. Mm. And that depends on your upbringing and so many different things. And I've had many people who just, like, never been around black people. And therefore, it's like, oh, they just didn't know what was the right thing to say or the wrong thing to say, mm. but they didn't want to offend. And I will talk to those people till the cows come home.
2: It's the went, isn't it?
3: Because like, if yes, yes, they don't is, know, is, they yes. don't know. Give them a minute to get there. And yeah. put out a T-shirt.
1: <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Yeah. She is so fascinating. Isn't she? Yeah, she is just... I found her really inspiring. That thing she said about...
2: Um... Giving people a minute I've thought about it a lot Since she said that And I think we could all Learn something from that And it's just so Incredibly generous Isn't it Because it's so easy To make To feel misunderstood And w- I You know Speaking personally like You can go into something Being like Oh well no one gets me And no one understands And to have that amount Of patience And generosity To give everyone a minute Is really cool And she came up With an idea For
1: a t-shirt for us Exactly well, We're getting that- ideas Left right and centre There's a flash sale For us For that um, one, William you know, she was on Women's Hour recently Was she? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago I think it's 25 years since Skunk and Nancy formed So they've put out a sort of, you know, oh, an cool. LP hmm. um, But if you don't know Skunk and Nancy's music I would honestly, you, first of all, you've got to go to YouTube And I've just listen to it and go and see them live Because they are amazing They really are
2: We've got to do a song, so it's got to be Skunk Nancy, even though I don't even know how you sing Goodbye. this.
1: But I don't want your charity. Weak as I am. Homo, homo sapiens. sapiens. Weak Ooh. as I am. Homo, homo sapiens. That's oh, lovely. You've got a lovely, ta- <laughs> lovely tamper to your, t- your, your voice. It's beautiful. Thank you. Do you think I could sing for a career? I, I think it's definitely something we should explore.